Keeping Up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure, is sponsored by SJL General Contractors. SJL General Contractors is licensed in both Alabama and Tennessee. This family-owned business provides mass grading, storm drainage, sewer and concrete improvement, asphalt paving, erosion control, demolition, and heavy hauling. If you're in need of any of these services, you can contact them at 931 933-4660. That is 931-433-4660. If you'd like to be employed by this family-owned company, three W's and a dot, sjnl.com, www.sjnl.com. What's more effective? A well-trained person with no equipment or a well-equipped person with no training. Well, in certain cases, I'd have to say that a person with proper training can get by with minimal equipment. But ideally, you'd like to have both. Lads to Leaders. Now, Lads to Leaders is known as a program, but I'd like to describe it as a process. You see, the name is the process. You take lads, young people, and you mature them into leaders. The process of lads becoming leaders is about both equipment and training. Young people are equipped with values, they are equipped with philosophy, and they are equipped with special skills. Lads to Leaders is not just learning to do, but in reality it's doing to learn. And as people participate in the Lads to Leaders program, they become well-trained and well-equipped to be the future leaders. And church leaders or community leaders, it, it produces leadership qualities in young people. The Lads to Leaders program is the legacy of Dr. Jack Zorn, who invented the program. If you're interested in participating in Lads to Leaders, ladstoleaders.com. If you're interested in learning more about it, you can contact Rhonda Fernandez, 321 321- Two zero two seven six zero zero three two one two zero two seven six zero zero lads to leaders dot com producing leaders in the church in the future in the young people of today. In the original Toy Story, and and don't get me started right now on on Disney and, and, and Toy Story. There are some things that just don't happen in the cinematic world. Okay, uh, Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom never took place. I'm a multiverse guy, and, and in my universe, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom never happened. Uh, second Highlander movie doesn't exist. Never happened. Never took place. So I'm, I'm not going to be very worried about what happens with the future stuff of, of Disney and Toy Story. But in the original Toy Story, which I enjoyed... Buzz Lightyear looks at Woody and says, You are a sad, strange little man, and I pity you. For whatever reason, a dear friend of ours, Lisa Carper, decided that, that was going to be how she responded to most of the things that I did or said that she either didn't like, didn't understand, or thought was inappropriate. And she would look at me and go, You're a sad, strange little man. My wife picked it up. And started doing it. You're a sad, strange little man. And then Derek Horst picked it up and started doing it. He even brought it to Berry College where poor Mike King, and Mike King either 
is is the king of mixed metaphors or or does it on purpose or or just is not not aware of it you know mike is famous of saying okay use your right hand or or your left hand if if you're amphibious and he would tell his groups okay pair up in groups of threes and line up in a circle well mike would always try to tell me that i was a sad strange little man but he would either add sick or sour you're six strange sad sour little man mike never could get it right but anyway I got this uh, title or this description from Lisa and Jackie and Derek. You're a sick, you're a sad, strange little man, and I pity you. The only one that may be better than that is uh, Justin May. Justin is a young man that that rides the uh, fishing boat with us. Now, let me just confess, Justin's a better shooter than I am. I, I hate to admit that in in a permanent record. Justin may be the most talented point shooter I've, I've ever met we've been shooting with this kid since he was you know in his teens and he can point shoot a pistol a bow a rifle a shotgun it's unbelievable well when you get on this fishing boat and you spend all night shooting at fish you tend to be competitive and you tend to do a little trash talking uh, justin makes fun of me because i'm short and bald and i make fun of justin because he's tall and skinny and, and to oftentimes there's there's some repartee that, that goes along there. Uh, he calls me the nemesis, and I call him his my nemesis. In fact, I made him a shirt one year for his birthday that was spelled with Russian writing. It says nemesis, and I think he wore it till he outgrew it or, or, or turned into dust. I need to make him another one. But Justin, for whatever reason, has this great Russian accent, and he calls me the angry little bald man in his best you know boris and natasha accent <laughs> and so you know I, he would say something to me on the boat and, and my typical response to a, a tall skinny kid is basically to threaten him you know he would talk about me being short and i'd say hey if i need to be taller i'll stack bodies you know if i want your opinion i'll crack your head open and dip it out and so where i'm trying to be intimidating he just decides to call me the uh, angry little bald man well this is confessions of an angry little bald man. I, I try to be a nice guy. I, I have really, since high school, my, my temper has modulated and I don't get heavily frustrated and I don't act out in, in, in aggression. Uh, I have really have worked on trying to be a calmer, nicer person, but every now and then it leaks out. My default setting is confrontation. I believe in, in some cases, you, you know, this is the way it is, and this is what's broke, and this is how you fix it. You know, one of my mottos used to be, forget the force, just use force. Uh, ben Hayes and Derek Horst would often, you know, talk about, oh, Jones is in a mood. And, and Ben likes to poke the bear just to put me in the mood, but I try to stay out of the mood, and I try to be the unpoked bear, and I try not to have this stuff. But when I tell you, what I'm going to tell you, it will be confessions of an angry little bald guy. And it's not an episode where I lost my temper, but it's an episode where things that have made me mad or frustrated me got what was coming to them. I call it karmatic justice, uh, reaping what you sow, cashing the checks that you've already written. Uh, in the movie The Mummy, they talk about, you know, people get their comeuppance. Well, these are moments where I reveled in the comeuppance. She w was sitting in my office. 
Now, that's not unusual. She had sat in my office many, many times when I was a youth minister. And she'd come into my office with anger and with frustration and with accusation. And and these people, you know, they love their children. And some of the decisions I made about working with their children, they, okay, they never agreed with the decisions I made about working with their children. And they'd called me names and they'd called me a liar. They questioned my integrity. They called for my head and called for my job. And these people would not have poured out water on me if I were on fire. They wouldn't have spit on me if I were on fire. And yet all these years, and I'm trying not to identify exactly who we're talking about here because, you know, I have several enemies, so, you know, just take a number and line up. This lady had had agreed to chaperone one of our trips, and it wasn't one of those things where I wanted her to chaperone. It was just, you got to be an equal opportunity employer. And, and and so, you know, I had to let various and sundry adults go with us. I had my group of adults I like to travel with anyway. But if, if this person went with us, they never left when we left. They either left before us or they left after us, and they never drove with us. If we were on the church van, they were in their private vehicle, and they would outrun us. Well, I end up on this youth trip, and we're, we're going way over on the East Coast up into the uh, Appalachia Mountains, and we're doing some youth work. And I'm taking a group of teenagers, and, and I show up at a hotel. Now, this is before the Internet. This is before you could make reservations online. This is, hey, I've called a company, and they've taken a credit card number, and they've mailed me reservations. And I've got those reservations in an envelope. And I've got driving directions that are, you know, basically handwritten. And I pull into this motel. I've got a, a van full of kids and another van. And i got 26 kids that are looking for rooms. And I get in there, and the manager meets me at the counter and says, you don't have any rooms here. And I'm like, what do you mean I don't have any rooms here? I've got this reservation. I show him this envelope. And he points to this youth chaperone that, that was with my group. and says, and that little princess right there is the reason. You can't treat my staff this way, and your business is not that important to me. We don't have an agreement anymore. And and I've got 26 kids up here in the foothills of West Virginia, and I am a homeless. <laughs> I ended up renting two rooms, a room for the boys, a room for the girls, and I slept on the balcony between the rooms, and we were above a country western bar in the Honey and the Rock Motel because of this fiasco with my room reservations. And, and now this person is sitting in my office. And, and, and then they're not in my youth minister office. This is my counseling office. This is after I have left the full-time employment of being a youth minister and I'm just doing private practice counseling. And, and this person's sitting in my office and they're describing some interpersonal difficulties they're having with adult children and different people like that. And I can't believe they're in my office, and I can't believe they're asking me for advice, and I can't believe they're offering me this perspective because I've got a perspective. I know what the problem is in all these relationships. You know, this, in in, in my mind as a young youth minister, this person was pure evil, you know. Had I been giving marital advice in those days, I'd have looked at her husband and said, drive a stake through her heart. But here I am, older, wiser, and more mature, and and and. This person is sitting in my office describing these difficulties, and, and the common denominator in all these difficulties is her. 
And so I finally get to go, you know, what the problem is, is the problem is your communication style, your attitude and the way you treat people. Uh, it's your fault. And, and that'll be a hundred dollars. And that was one of those, you know, you hear the angels singing in the background and you realize there is karmatic justice in the universe. The only thing better than that was when the cable company called. The cable company called me. Typically, I'm the guy who calls the cable company and says, hey, this is broken or this won't work or we can't get this signal or you've left this thing undone. One of the cable companies wired a thing from the utility pole in front of the yard to the house and left the cable on top of the yard. Not a week, not two weeks, but months. I had this orange cord that ran all the way across my yard. And I couldn't, you know... It's unbelievable that they've exposed this fiber optic cable or whatever it was. And at some point, you know, eventually you forget and you catch it with the lawnmower. And it pulls everything out of the house and out of the wall. And you call the company and say, hey, you know, we've we've had this problem. You had didn't bury the cable. And I've made a stupid mistake and caught it with the lawnmower. And, and I need this fixed. And I go, yeah, we'll send somebody out in April. And it's like, what? Well, the cable company called me and they said, hey, we've got these teams of call takers and we want you to do an experience with them on your challenge course and talk about conflict resolution, dealing with angry people and, and our customer service. And they ended up being a fat contract. They, they had eight small groups and wanted me to work individually with each of the small groups. So this is not, we're going to send all our people to you and spend a day. This is, we're going to do a group in the morning and in the evening, in the morning and the evening, in the morning and the evening for four straight days. And they paid full price, ropes course prices for all those. I mean, this is a huge contract. And not only is it very worthwhile financially, I get to deal with the cable company on my turf. So I've got the cable company people out there. And we're standing at the bottom of the challenge wall. It's a, a 40-foot tower. And I'm explaining to them, you know, how to play in the high environment, how to work in the high angle. And I look at this group of people and say, so what's going to happen is you're going to climb this tower. And, and when you get to the top of the tower, there'll be a, an instructor, one of our certified instructors, and, and they will clip you into a safety line. And they'll be there to clip you into the safety line somewhere between 1 and 4 <laughs> this afternoon. And the eyes got big and people started sweating. And it was like, what do you mean between one and four? Well, you know, we, we our, our people are busy and somebody will be there. And then you get up on top of the tower with these folks and you're going to send them out on a cable bridge. And all the cable bridges on the ropes course have a, a thing for the feet, regardless of what it is, a planks or a single cable or floating disc or whatever. And then you always clip above you to an actual belay cable or a safety cable. And I'm explaining how the safety stuff works. I look at these cable people and I go, well, this is our deluxe package. This is the best equipment money can buy. And this is the safest thing you can use. And you can start out with it and halfway across the bridge, it will expire. And you can choose to just be on a single cable with uh, inferior materials, or you can sign up for the deluxe package at $29.95 for the rest of your life. No pun intended. And finally, the cable people said, is, is that how we really treat people? I said, yes, this is how your company treats people. And, and, and do you are you shocked that when somebody calls you because they've been treated this way, it's taken them this long to get something installed, it's taken them some, you know, this long to get fixed, and, and by the time they call you, they're ready to scream and yell, and, and you're trying to clean up a mess that you didn't make. 
I said, look, I'm self-employed. When you tell me that I've got to wait for your technician to be at my house and I'm going to sit at home between one and four in the afternoon, all I'm doing sitting at my house while you're failing to come to my house is I'm, I'm hemorrhaging money is all I'm doing sitting there. And this is how you treat people. And I got to pay that back in just a little bit and show them what it's like to say, hey, your schedule, your safety, and your convenience doesn't really matter. It, it's, it's the nuances of living with contracts. You see, if you tell me you're going to be at my house at 1 o'clock, you, you need to be at my house at 1 o'clock. If you tell me you're going to provide a service, you need to provide that service. And, and, and I'm not a lawyer, and I don't play one on TV, and I didn't sleep at a Motel 6. But my understanding of a contract is that if you have specified parameters and you violate those parameters, the contract is null and void. That, that's my understanding of it. And, and I have, and, and again, confessions of an angry little ball guy. I've been sitting at my house and at 401, that truck pull up and I walk out the door and go, look, you said you'd be here between one and four. It's not four. Go home. I'll call somebody else. In fact, the few times that I've changed cable companies, I've called multiple cable companies and get the, hey, we'll send a technician out, you know, sometime this week or today between one and four or Thursday between one and four. I say, look, I've called four of you guys. And the first person to show up at my house gets my business. You'll be surprised how efficient they can be like that. But, but that's the difference in a contract versus a covenant. You see, a contract just looks at the letter of the law. And if you don't do your part or I don't do my part, then the contract can be null and void. It, it, it's the, the idea that you have duties and I have duties. And, and if one of us fails to fulfill that, it, and it's over. But when you talk about a covenant, my understanding of covenant is that it's not only contractual, but it has some, some nuance of attitude involved in it. Now, again, I'm not a legal expert, and, and I haven't researched the Hebrew word or anything like that. But my, you know, we sing a song at church that talks about law and love combining the, the, the legal part of the thing, this is what is required. But then there's an attitudinal part. There's a choice part. There's a thing that says, you know, even if you break your part, even if you end up being imperfect, even if you end up not being able to fulfill the letter of the law, I can choose to still do business with you. I can still choose to be involved with you. I can still honor my end of it, whether you honored your end of it or not. Maybe it's about giving grace. Maybe it's about understanding that we're imperfect people. I believe my worldview is we're created. And since we are created as imperfect beings, why does it shock us when imperfect beings live up to their potential and fulfill imperfection? Why is it a contract breach when an imperfect person ends up behaving imperfectly? I'm not perfect. I don't bat a thousand. I have days when my humanity shows through. I'm an imperfect person. I married an imperfect person. We gave birth to a person, and when she got old enough to make choices on her own, she became imperfect. I live in a neighborhood of imperfect people. I go to church with imperfect people. 
I work with imperfect people and I'm self-employed. So why is it a deal breaker? Why do the wheels suddenly come off when an imperfect person acts imperfect? Understanding the nature of our potential and understanding our condition is imperfect should give us the ability not to be angry little bald people. And that just because you're not able to dot the I's and cross your T's on your part of the contract should not make me a person who suddenly says, well, I'm done with you and the contract is voided. Our relationships with people should be covenant mindset rather than strict, strictly contractual. I get to give you some grace. I get to give you a grace period. And, and I guess, you know, even in some of the contracts that you have, you have grace periods. I think there's a grace period with my car insurance and a grace period with my health insurance and a grace period with my life insurance. Why can't we give each other grace periods? Why, why can't we say, you know, hey, I, I'm going to permit you the fact, I'm going to permit you, I'm, I'm going to give you the understanding that you do have the potential to be imperfect. And when an imperfect person behaves imperfectly, it doesn't ruin the deal. When an imperfect person behaves imperfectly, I should treat them like I wanted to be treated. I should treat them like I would like to be treated when I can't fulfill the ends of my contract or I'm imperfect or lazy or just sometimes stupid. And I should react to you when you're imperfect. Really the way I'd like for you to react to me when I am imperfect. The idea behind that kind of interaction is, is grace. You see, I give you what you need, not what you deserve. I don't give you what the letter of the law, what the, what the contract actually spells out. But, but I, I look at the, the idea of in a relationship, there may be some things here where I make allowances for your imperfection and you make allowances for mine. And so when we live up to our potential and someone in our lives is imperfect, we don't, we don't become the angry little ball guy. And it's not just about giving them a grace, period. It's about just giving them grace, period. Keeping up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. I'm your host, Lonnie Jones. And the adventure part is basically just our experiences. And some of those experiences are as mundane as growing up being married, being a young married couple with a kid, or being a middle-aged couple with grandkids. Some of the experiences will be my adventures as an outdoorsman, a rock climber, a fisherman, a hunter, or my experiences as a police chaplain who's been assigned to a SWAT team for over 30 years. Some of that adventure may even boil down to the idea that there's a belief that I'm a chaotic Jedi. <laughs> Either way, we'll take the experiences or the adventures and we'll talk about the facts. The facts will lead to concepts and the concepts lead to application. Basically, it will be anecdotal wisdom. One cautionary word about the facts is we will tell you the facts just as they happened, 
but sometimes we'll tell you the facts the way we remember them happening, and sometimes we'll tell you the facts the way we've heard other people tell us the way they remember them happening. In any occasion, it's not an attempt to deceive. There'll be a little bit of embellishment, and it's an all good, clean fun and for learning purposes only. Thank you for keeping up with Jones. Thank you.